Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. All right, brand new I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast is coming up next, and you are not going to want to miss this one. On today's podcast is Starbucks, now also a methadone clinic. R. Kelly was out and about like shit is sweet, shit ain't sweet. I have a prediction for his future. The Sopranos is celebrating its 20th anniversary since it premiered, plus... We have a dope-ass interview with the Wheeze himself, Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore, shit-talking galore, is with me on the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. He is telling us sex, drugs, and comedy stories from his days as a humongous star, as an MTV VJ. You are, yo, this is a fantastic I am Rapport Stereo Podcast interview. Plus, Paulie's going to be in Arizona this weekend performing at CB Live on the 11th and the 12th. You can follow him at Paulie Shore. Fantastic interview coming up later in the show with my guy, the Wheeze, Miles Jordan. Give me something real nice, something real proper, but most importantly, something real funky. All right, brand new I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. This is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the White Chocolatito, a.k.a. 
the white Arsenio Hall, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting. This is the Disruptive Behavior Network. We pride ourselves on not fact-checking. We pride ourselves of having the most disruptive podcast in the game. As I mentioned earlier, later on in the podcast, and we have to take this seriously, there may be an emergency Stickman Hall of Fame indoctrination, 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 whatever the fucking word is. Um, Paulie Shore, you know who he is. He needs no introduction. The Wheeze from MTV, from Encino Man, uh, is with me on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. One of the world's most famous comedy clubs is the Comedy Store. Paulie Shore's mother owned and created the comedy store and i believe 1974 he talks about it um he's seen it all he's been around comedians and comedy his entire life he's got great fucking stories about growing up at the comedy store uh hanging around people like red fox richard pryor uh robin williams i mean just everybody and anybody uh, some people I never even heard of. Great said he he just thinks, you know, uh, so highly of that never really made it. And then, of course, he was popping on MTV as a VJ in the 90s. But you'll hear all that from him. The thing that I am going to make you aware of right now is that Paulie Shore may need to be emergency indoctrinated or indoctrinated into the Stickman Hall of Fame. I asked him point blank how many Playboy Playmates... Were you with during your run on MTV? And the answer is shocking. I will leave it up to you, the people, to decide. Should this man be indoctrinated? Indoctrinated? I don't know what the fucking word is. I'm telling you, I think since I uh, fainted, uh, I never had a real grasp of the English language, but I think it's gotten worse. Um, I will leave it up to you guys to tell me to decide if Paulie should be nominated ASAP. And I'm talking about like, I'll give it 48 hours, 72 hours. And then we might have to do an emergency podcast or we'll do it on the next podcast. But the guy put it down. So later on in the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, sex, drugs, and comedy with the wheeze, Paulie Shore. But first things first. Something that I am, I, I, I've mentioned before, and I just read a, a, an article that is concerning. Uh, I've read these articles before, but I don't know why this one resonated, because I think it's true. I think it's fucking true. There's an article in the, I don't know where it was, uh, Jordan Winter of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast Think Tank sent it to me about social media addiction being as bad and as rapid as gambling addictions. Um, I, for one, am concerned that I am addicted to my phone and, of course, social media and, and texting and Facebooking and Instagramming and, and not even if I'm necessarily participating in it, reading it, uh, Twitter. Um, but this, this research by the Journal of Behavioral Addictions is the first to investigate a connection between social media use and decision-making capacity. Around one-third of humans on the planet are using social media, and some of these people are displaying 
I don't even know how to say this word, maladaptive, excessive use of these sites. I'm one of those fucking people. Now, I will say this. I will say this. I am trying to not start my day on my phone. I try to sleep with my phone downstairs. But, but when I wake up in the morning and I have to take a deuce, uh, number two, shit, um, just like reading the newspaper, I like to go through my phone. And, and, and it's not too like, I'm not like, yo, I'm on Instagram. It's not like I'm like, you know, Instagramming live. It's like, you know, I want to read the sports. I want to read uh, what Dick Stang Donald Trump did. I want to read uh, who's been caught up in, in the next sex scandal. Uh, this morning I, I was on my phone. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary. The 20th anniversary since the, in my opinion, the greatest show in television history, the greatest drama in television history, The Sopranos came out which is a whole other conversation. But but these are things that I found out on social media. Kyle Kuzma scored 41 points. I found that out on the toilet. I didn't watch that game live. I found it out when I was dropping a deuce. Okay, I don't want to get too graphic, but you know, I think it's it's good to to stay on the toilet if you're dropping a deuce. There's no need to rush, and one of the things that helps you not rush is your phone. That's okay, Weezy. Can you hear Wheezy moaning in the background? Wheezy, of course, is my uh, uh, dog, and he's the official I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast news dog, the news hound. Um, he's looking right at me. You're a good boy, Wheezy. But I, I must say that I'm addicted to my phone, whether it's participating, reading, reading articles, email. I got to figure it out. I, I don't know what my short-term goals are. I don't think it's possible to go, to go cold turkey. I, I just don't think in this day and age you, you could just be completely off your phone. I don't know what to do. I don't think I need to go to like some kind of rehab. But I know that I have a, a, a problem. Keeping it fucking real with you. On the last primetime premium podcast that we dropped on Wednesday, January 9th, uh, we did a whole bunch of sick fucks Um we did that on the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast app. If you do not have a premium subscription to the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, first question is why. Second thing I have to say is you are missing out. Uh, we did 10 sick fucks um, and, and so many other things on that podcast. But 2019 um, has been an overwhelming year thus far for sick fucks. For sick fucks. See, I did it again. See that slurring thing, that weird, like, I, I know I, I, I do it sometimes uh, in, in, when I'm at my, you know, at my best, but that, that thing there, I don't know what, what the fuck it is. Uh, the stuttering is, is part of the way I talk. It's part of my shtick, even though I can't control it. Um, but I'm telling you, I think, I think that I'm not 150% copacetic since uh, I fainted, and I think that I'm still mildly concussed. I don't know. But you should get... The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast app, um, emergency podcasts, emergency videos, uh, short films, and of course, premium primetime podcasting, which is the closest thing to a live podcast that we have. We podcast and we put the fucker right out. Um, and we usually do it Wednesday uh, in, in primetime, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Uh, uh, Pacific time. But there were uh, a ton of requests for a certain sick fuck and she has gotten, or not she, uh, the incident has gotten the acknowledgement um, along with 
10 other, I believe it was 10 other sick fucks on the last premium primetime podcast. I love saying PPP. It just rolls off the tongue. Because sometimes you say podcast in primetime, that's premium. Sometimes you say premium podcasting. It just, it just, the PPP just rolls off the tongue. I am Rappaport Podcast. So another thing that uh, has really been bothering me since uh, Dick Stane Donald Trump, and we don't need to go down the Dick Stane Donald Trump uh, 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 toilet bowl right now, because you know how I feel about Dick Stane Donald Trump. Um, but since he spoke from the Oval Office, I believe it was Tuesday night of this week, um, and he read from a teleprompter. Uh, which is not him at his best. You know, he's not a uh, uh, a reader of a teleprompter. When he, he when he's at his best or at his worst, he's freestyling uh, like a vaudeville comedian. Um, but he read from a teleprompter. I was ready to blast his ass, um, but he didn't say anything that he, he's never said before. And because he was reading from a teleprompter, it wasn't. Uh, uh, there were no surprises. The the surprises. And, and it's really bothered me since it happened, were Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi um, really bothered me, and they, they were really disappointing because if anyone is going to beat Dick Stain Donald Trump, first of all, it ain't going to be either one of them. And it ain't going to be any one of these fucking, these, I'm not trying to age shame. It ain't going to be one of these fucking walking dead, looking like they just fucking came out of a casket to talk in front of the entire world. Chuck Schumer and Amy Pelosi were, and Nancy Pelosi, because I keep saying Chuck and Nancy are like the new Sid and Nancy. Chuck and Nancy Pelosi were so fucking bad and so spooked out. And, and this morning, it's been three days. I usually don't give a fuck about these things. I normally could give two shits, but they were so bad. And I was thinking to myself, is, is this the best, the best effort you can to sort of away against or to put the Democratic Party in the best position to win? Because as fucked up as Dick Stain was, these two literally looked like they got rolled the fuck out of there from some old age home. It was it was crazy. And like I said, I was ready to blast Dick Stain Donald Trump. And and the ones who I feel like uh, really needed to be blasting were these two fucking batshit crazy old pieces of shit. No disrespect. No disrespect. I'm not going to sit here and blindly support Democrats. I got to support the person. These motherfuckers are, don't ever speak in public again. Ever. Either one of you. Do not speak on my behalf. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Let me just say that. On my behalf, the Gringo Mandingo, I don't ever want to see them speaking on my behalf again. It was embarrassing. Now, I've been doing a lot of stand-up comedy. Um, I try to post it on social media best I can, but I have a few dates in Los Angeles. I don't have the exact times. You got to do a little legwork for, for yourself. But I'll be doing stand-up comedy the 12th of January at the Comedy Store. I'll be doing comedy a, the 15th of January at the Comedy Store. The 16th of January at the Improv. The 17th 
of January at the Hollywood Improv. The 24th of January, the 26th and the 29th also at the motherfucking Hollywood Improv. Other things might come up, but if you're in L.A. um, and you could get out to a show, holler at me. You know, um, I'd love to say what's up to any I Am Rapport Stereo podcast fans. You could scream when when I'm on stage. Let me know you're in the house. I try to wait around and speak to uh, the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast fans before the show or after the show. Um, I'm easy to find, uh, 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 easy access. So if if, uh, if you're in LA and you want to come check me out, um, I'll be uh, doing comedy at the Comedy Store. I'll be at the. There'll be other dates. I, you know, like the best way is on, on my social media. I post it on my social media, um, and I always post it definitely on my Instagram stories, which is of course uh, at Michael Rappaport, uh, which should just be like at the Gringo Man Dingo or at Jake Lamont of podcasting. But at Michael Rappaport kind of sums it up uh, and makes it easy. So Kevin Hart, uh, everybody's sort of, sort of tired of talking about this, um, is definitely not hosting the Oscars this year, and I'm glad he's not hosting them this year. I'll bet you he'll host them next year, and he'll get a standing ovation, and he'll be, he'll be forgiven by the, the, the Hollywood do-gooders because, oh, you, you, you've, you've apologized, Kevin. You've proven to us, us that you're okay and we're going to give you a standing ovation because we want everything to be good because we want you to be as good as us because we're really good and we're perfect and we're clean and we don't think uh, or say anything that's not puritanical. Um, but the this year's Oscars, I don't know how they're going to do this, is, is hostless. It's a hostless Oscars, which means they'll probably have a rotating uh, group of people doing bits I don't know how they're going to do a monologue because that's the thing people usually turn into, tune into is the monologue in the beginning. Whether it's great, not great, sort of great, some things land, some things don't land. They do dance numbers, jokes. Uh, you know, they sort of do a, uh, a recap of the films this year, uh, break balls. I don't know what they're going to do, uh, but I, I, I bet you it'll be like a uh, Academy Award hostless hosting troupe. So they'll actually will be hosts, but it'll just be a bunch of people doing a bunch of things. But I am glad Kevin Hart is not doing it. Uh, Mario Batali. You know that fat uh, cook, Mario Batali? He's like one of the OG cooks. Uh, Mario Batali, uh, I've met him a couple of times. He's, he's cool. Uh, you know, he was caught up in the, in the, in the Me Too, uh, you know, the raids. But Mario Batali... Uh, was accused of sexual assault. And for some reason, uh, you know, it was a big headline when he was accused of the sexual assault. There was a full investigation by the New York City Police Department, top to bottom investigation of Mario Batali. And uh, they found nothing. They found absolutely nothing. Uh, the allegation surfaced in December of 2017. They said he touched this woman inappropriately, blah, 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 blah. Listen, I say blah, 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 because I don't fact check. I ain't reading, but I'll tell you this. The man's reputation has been ruined. There was a full investigation. They found nothing. They found nothing. So we got to move on, but I just think it's fucked up uh, that most people, because it wasn't covered that they found nothing, will still think that this fat meatball motherfucker, Mario Batali, is guilty. I am filling you in on the information 
that the motherfucker was uh, investigated top to bottom by the NYPD Special Victims Division. Some real Ice Cube law and order shit. They found Ugats. Nada. Not a fucking thing. Someone who is definitely guilty of something. I don't give two shits. Uh, because if you haven't watched that Surviving R. Kelly, watch it. And as I said on the last uh, I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, if 3% of the things that were said in Surviving R. Kelly, that cocksucker needs to be locked up in prison. If 1%, I mean, then there's just so fucking much. And and apparently more is going to come out and his daughter just released a statement calling uh, her father a monster and all this and all that. Um, but this piece of shit, R. Kelly, uh, was in Chicago the other night, a night ago or two nights ago, celebrating his birthday at a nightclub that looked fucking packed. He was on the stage. People were filming. He was singing. And you would have thought it was like 1998 and shit was all good. And people are oogling and eyeing. And when he sings the song, they're, they're, they're all hyped up and girls in the front. And shame on you for going to see this fucking guy. Okay? Shame on you for going to see this fucking guy. And R. Kelly, you're 50 fucking two. You nasty, greasy motherfucker. You're 50 fucking two. What's so special about a 52nd birthday? This cocksucker, my, my bet is that R. Kelly is going to either off himself or get fucked to death in prison. That's my prediction. He's either going to kill himself or get fucked to death, literally. Literally get fucked to death in prison. That's my prediction. There, there's no way. Uh, these aren't stunt people. These aren't actors and actresses. And if you watch this documentary, the shit is still going on right now. And the arrogance... The arrogance of him to go out in public while this is going on and act like nothing's going on and say, I don't give a fuck what's going on. He says that. I don't give a fuck what's going on. It's my 52nd birthday. Not a big birthday to celebrate. Some people think they have to have a party every single year. I think you should stop celebrating your birthday every single year after 18, maybe 21, maybe 30, 30. If you're one of these people that love celebrating your birthday, after 30, that's enough. It's not your sweet 16. It's not your bar mitzvah. It's not your quinceanera. Said that right. 52? What's to celebrate? You're going to go to prison and get fucked to death, R. Kelly. I am Rappaport Podcast. We've been talking about this for a long time on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. And this is true. And rule number one of the Iron Rapport Stereo podcast is no fact-checking. Uh, but sometimes we have to break new, rule number one of the Iron Rapport Stereo podcast uh, out of fear that something so way out there isn't fake news, like legitimate fake news. Like we had one or two sick fucks throughout the years uh, that we didn't fact-check. And then it turned out it was just totally f- made up. But Starbucks... You know, Starbucks, the fucking coffee place who now allows anybody into the restaurant or the coffee shop or the barista or the the coffee bar, whatever the fuck they call them, because they're just so open to just having anybody in there turning, you know, uh, and we've talked about it ad nauseum. 
They could use the bathroom. You could shit in there. You could take a shower. You can shave. You can uh, give yourself a bird bath. You can wash your feet, clip your fucking toenails, do whatever the fuck you want to do in a Starbucks bathroom. You could walk in there solely to use the bathroom and walk the fuck out. Okay? You don't even have to ask for a cup of water. You don't even have to give the impression that you're there for anything else. You can go in there, shit, piss, shave, change your your menstrual, uh, you know, things, and walk the fuck out. They are now in a lot of Starbucks around the country and in Canada amidst the nationwide opioid epidemic and in response to a growing drug use in some of its bathrooms in Starbucks. So they're admitting there is drug use in the Starbucks bathrooms because anybody could go in there. They are now having needle disposal bins in select Starbucks. Do you understand that? You you can go in there, shoot your hair on, okay? Shoot uh, whatever you're shooting. I, I don't even know what other drug you could you shoot. This is so far out of my region. I, the only thing I've ever done in my life is smoke weed. And I, I, I've been drunk maybe I, three or four times, literally. And I think just one time uh, uh, where I threw up. I don't judge people that drink. I don't judge people that... Uh, you know, do more than that. I, I don't fuck with the booger sugar. I don't fuck with the nose candy. I don't fuck with them pills. I don't fuck with any of that. That's me. Okay? That's just me. I definitely don't fuck with that heron. And I definitely don't fuck with them needles. But because some workers have said they are, are scared of getting poked by needles in the trash bags. And because there have been needles found in the bathrooms that young kids that have these jobs at Starbucks that are just there to make your fucking latte, just there to make your coffee, your tea, serve you your egg sandwich. Now they have to clean up bathrooms by every and anybody. And some of these Starbucks have needles hanging around people. The workers have been poked by needles while taking out the trash. So now they have the needle disposal bins. You you know those things that they have them at the hospital? Or at the doctor, like when you get your blood taken. Uh, Some people uh, misread this and be like, oh, maybe they're doing it for diabetics. They're not doing this for diabetics. If this was for diabetes, first of all, anybody that's diabetic that's suffering from diabetes shouldn't be drinking any fucking Frappuccinos. Okay? But that's neither here nor there. I know it's an addiction. I understand that. This is not for diabetics. I fact-checked it. This is for drug heads, drug users that go into Starbucks to shoot up their drugs in the Starbucks bathroom. That's it. I, I don't know. What, what, is, is Starbucks now, uh, is it go Starbucks slash methadone clinic? Is it a Starbucks slash methadone clinic slash homeless shelter? When does it end? When does it stop? I don't know. So I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm not one of these big... Uh, anniversary people but it just brought up a lot of memories uh the show the sopranos debuted 20 years ago this week and i was just like damn just like the 20 years ago because it feels like fucking yesterday um 
And of course, the great James Gandolfini passed since then. And, you know, I knew Edie Falco very well at the time. Um, I had seen her and become friends with her in a movie called Laws of Gravity, which I don't know where you could find it, but it's a dope movie. If you've never seen it, a dope independent film called Laws of Gravity, real grit, New York, handheld shit. And I remember talking to her about uh, uh, doing the film, uh, doing the show Sopranos and uh, how excited she was and James Gandolfini and, and, and the whole thing with James Gandolfini is like, why is he doing a television show? Why, why are you doing a television show? You're doing so well in movies. You're a movie star. And fuck, that has changed dramatically in the 20 years. Because now uh, TV is the place to become a star for the majority of actors. TV is the place to have the best um, parts creatively for, for the majority of actors. But James Gandolfini set it off. He was Tony Soprano. Um, I don't know how I got started on Edie. Um, but, you know, I just remember like hearing about it. And I remember like the Sopranos. Sopranos. Like, what does that mean? Like Sopranos. Like singers. Are they singers? And they're like, oh, it's a mob show. Uh, but it's not a mob show. And he goes to a therapist. And uh, is it like analyze this with De Niro? Because I believe, I'm pretty sure that came out beforehand. And I just did it. You just didn't know what the fuck it was. But 20 years ago, now it, it it's like television has changed so much since then. There's so many places to watch TV. When The Sopranos debuted in, in 99, it was HBO and Showtime. That was it. And I think Cinemax. But, you know, Showtime wasn't popping like HBO was. And Cinemax definitely wasn't popping. I don't even know if Cinemax... Is still around. Um, I got to check my fucking direct TV thing, which I pay ridiculous amount of money for each fucking month. But The Sopranos was just, I mean, it needs no introduction, needs no explanation. It was just so good, and it was a game-changing show. And, of course, the the great the great James Gandolfini and the rest of the cast um, killed it, destroyed it beat the shit up week after week after week, episode after episode, even when uh, there was delays. Remember, there was like a two-year delay between, I think it was season five and season six, or I don't even know, um, not fact-checking, but it's 20 years, and, and it was a, literally like a, a game-changing show. Um, and and all the other shows since then, uh, I, I wanted to, I gave it some thought. My top five favorite dramas because I'm excluding comedies and these are just mine and I don't watch everything I try to watch as much as I can and, I, and I'm not like a TV head who watches everything um, but my favorite my top five favorite television shows dramas are in order The Sopranos Breaking Bad needs no introduction Six Feet Under also on HBO love that fucking show so damn good uh Hill Street Blues, which was on NBC but was ahead of its time, was dope. Um, I haven't watched it since. Maybe it holds up. Maybe it doesn't. But as a kid, it was gritty. It was funny. It, the characters, like, it felt like you were really watching, like, uh, uh, like, a real police department. And then coming in the top five is The Wire. Some people have The Wire at number one. I don't have The Wire at number one. It didn't resonate with me emotionally uh, afterwards the same way these other four shows uh, did. But that is my top five dramatic series of all 
time. All right, without further ado, let's get to it. My man, the Wheeze, Paulie Shore, is on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Paulie Shore with stories galore. Coming up next on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, sex, drugs, and comedy. Although he didn't do drugs. Maybe he smoked a little weed, but it just sounds good. Sex, drugs, and comedy with the Wheeze himself, Paulie Shore. You are not going to want to miss this. And please tell me right away. Hit me up. You can email us at IamRappaportPodcast at gmail.com. You can DM me. You can tweet me. We're easy to find. Do you think Paulie Shore, who is with Girls Galore, should be inducted into the Stick Man Hall of Fame? I am leaving it in the people's court. With no further introduction, my man Paulie Shore. All right, the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Why are you breathing so heavily, bro? Excited, bro. This is cool. I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. The Weeze is in the house. Paulie Shore, the Weasel. What's up, buddy? Listen, so many questions to ask the Weeze. The the Weeze has seen so much. The Weeze has accomplished so much. Like A lot of people don't know Mm. about your sort of exposure to comedy growing up because your mother owned the comedy store. Mm. And I told you, I said, I want the Weeze true Hollywood stories. I mean... You saw so like your perspective on comedy has to be very unique mm. on comedians. You've seen everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first person you saw on a stage doing comedy at the comedy store? It was probably Red Fox. Are you serious? Yeah, or Pat McCormick, Craig T. Nelson, Michael Keaton, Dave Letterman. Um, As a kid, that was in the seven early seventies. My my mom and dad started the place in nineteen seventy two. And you were, but so how old you? Five, four. four, yeah, four or five. How old are you? I'm forty eight. Yeah, so You're I just turned fifty. Me. I just turned fifty. So yeah, so I was four when they opened it. But when did you start realizing there were comedians on a stage? And they're telling jokes. Like, when did you sort of grasp? Because at, at four, like, it must have just seemed way out there. But you were around. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was right then. I was four years old. I was a kid. And You know, I was right there when, when it all happened. Yeah. And then, you know, my dad, my dad's a legend, you know. I mean, Sammy Shore. Are you familiar with Sammy Shore? A little, a little bit. bit. Break it down a little I bit. I mean, he's the fucking man. People always talk about my mom, which I get. You know what I mean? But my dad was the fucking, the play, you know, he was touring in the 50s as a stand-up opening for like, you know, Tony Bennett. And uh, my dad's 90, 91 now. Uh-huh. So he lives in Vegas. So he was, uh, you know, he was touring in the 50s and 60s. He saw it all. When stand-up first started. And then he opened for Elvis Presley. Wow. My dad toured, toured and I met Elvis a lot because me and Lisa Marie are born on the same day, same birthday, February 1st, 1968. So when I was born, she was right there. We were in the playpen together. I used to That's think, fucking crazy. I used crazy. to put my finger ne- ne- next to her. Put your finger next to her? Yeah. Just next to her? Yeah, just next to her. But, um, do, you rem- do you have any recollection of being I remember around meeting Elvis? Elvis. Yeah, I remember meeting Elvis. He and was you're- amazing. My mom loved Elvis. She knew Elvis? Of course. Um, and- Elvis Presley. I mean, come on. He was the man. Elvis right? Presley. It's the man. Um, and when you're a teenager in the comedy store, like in the late 70s 
in the eighties. What what are some of the, like the early memories, like the people you were exposed to, Red Fox, Richard Pryor, all these guys, Robin Williams. Everybody's mm-hmm. everybody has come through the comedy store. Yeah, whether you're a comedian, well, there's actor, a lot athlete. of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people that most people don't know. It's just like there's actors. We all grew up acting. There's a lot of people that made it. And there's a lot of people that didn't make it that were amazing. Who were so, some of the ones that... Like that, Lenny Schultz was a guy that you probably don't know who was amazing. He was like the original Gallagher. Uh-huh. He was a guy that would put shit on his body. There was a, a group called Natural Gas uh, with Vic Dunlop. They were a group. Um, there was, I don't know, there was a lot of people that never made it that were great too. And you when know? did you start doing comedy? I started when I was 17. And you started going up on stage. Yeah, but and, I stayed away from the comedy store for the first couple of years. Because you didn't want to be like, oh, I'm... Mitzi's son, yeah, yeah. And where'd you do it? I did it at the Laugh Factory. I did it in the Valley. I did it in... Me and Faison Love, you know Faison? Yep. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. And, and when we first started together, he was like, we first started together. And we would do New York a lot. And that's when I saw Chris Rock. Chris Rock and me were very close. We started kind of together at the same time. Like this is like 83, 84? No, this is the, um, no, this is like the late 80s. Okay. Late 80s. Okay. You know, that's when we, we all first started, you know, because me and you are the same age, so Chris Rock's around that age too. But he bit. was like doing this shit so fucking young. Like like those yeah. first, like when he had the jerry curl and he was like Eddie Murphy's mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Like he, he was, he was like a, like, what the fuck is it? Like uh, yeah, he was like Polish, a teenager. Yeah, he's like a, he, we were the same age though. Because I started when I was 17, so I hit on MTV probably like in my early 20s, so it was around that. I hit on MTV pretty hard at that time. Right. So yeah. so how did that whole thing happen? Like, because the Wheeze was so a part of, I don't remember, what was it, 80, was it in the 90s? 90s, yeah, yeah. Like, like you were MTV. Like, you mm. were, like, there was there were certain staples. It was Yo! MTV Raps. There was you. I mean, I, I there were people... And we'd see it over and over mm. and over. And it was like, it's not like it is now where I don't even know what the fuck they put on there. But like these shows and these comedy shows and these specials and you just didn't know when it was coming on or what was coming mm. on. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and spring break and all this shit. Yeah. H- how did it yeah. happen? It just happened. It was all timing. It was like, you know, just like anything, like anyone makes it now these days, a Justin Bieber on YouTube, you know, he just hit and this one on that one. So for me, I was, you know, I was very West Coast. MTV was very East Coast. Um, They needed something fresh and different. I had my own language. I spoke my own way. I dressed my own way. I did my own thing. And it just clicked. The audience just, it just hit their nerve. And the ratings went crazy. And people were like, who the fuck is this guy? And I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know what I mean? Because I was just looking in the camera going, yo, bros, come check this out. And I had no idea. I was sincerely connecting with, with people. Even to this day, 30, 40 years later, everywhere I go, yo, we, and it's fr- yo, what's up? You know, through airports and this and that. Everywhere I go, I could be at a shitty Waffle House in Missouri continuously People are like, Polly, what's up? What's up? And it's that connection that I had through MTV. And this was before the films, you know? And so MTV was that. Yeah. MTV was that. Yeah. And, and for me, it was at least. Yeah. And, and 
I, I remember watching this shit and I was like, this guy has to be like, I wasn't a drug dude, but I was like, this dude has to be fucking high out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Were you stoned out of your fucking tree when you were the Wheeze not on one, MTV? Not once. Not once. Not once. Because even it, to this day, not once. You can, you're not a weed dude. Like you're no, not like I a s- drug dude. No. Uh. Uh-uh. But like, like when that impression of that guy was like, what the fuck? Because is Because I was the happiest when I was on camera. Well, you're an actor. You know how free it is, and how you know. And now you're doing stand up, and that's where I'm. I'm my happiest. You know. Right. That's why I continuously tour, and I'm continuously out there. Is because I'm, you know, when I'm on camera, I'm like my most happiest. And w- so, so that's why people thought I was on drugs because they're like, how the fuck could this guy be giggling and fucking around so much? <laughs> He's got to be fucked up. And I, I never was. Talk to me about like how big, how famous the MTV run was in terms of like there was chicks, you were, there was spring break, there was girls, like the whole thing was, it was like sort of, sort of like sex, drugs and rock and yeah. roll comedy, but it was clean because it was on MTV, mm-hmm. but it was just like you could feel all the, the, the sexuality mm-hmm. and the chicks and the bikinis well, and you were like a the, fucking sex symbol. Yeah, that was that time, that was that era, that was that heavy metal kind of era on Sunset. When did you come out here? I came out here first, 89. Yes. So you saw it. I saw so it. So you drove by the yes. rainbow. You drove by Gazaris. Yes. You saw the heavy metal guys. Yes. And that was that time. And even this day, if you watch, if you listen to Sirius Satellite and you're on like 90s or you play the Hair Nation yeah. or those stations, you're like, fuck, those songs were fun. And, and that's what it was. It was just like a fun time. It was like, you know, people were fucking and the groupies were cool. And it was like, you know, I mean, I had... I mean, I, I had a, um, I had a, a system. What you know, was the, your system? My system what was, was basically. You, what was your fuck system? Yeah, it was basically like, <laughs> it was it was a system. It was a system we had down. And you you know you hear this from other rock stars. Oh, no, no, I want to know your system. I never yeah. heard the system. Break yeah. down your system. So basically, I'll just break it down. Um, break it down. Yeah, my uh, my road manager at the time is this guy Nick Light. Okay. Nick Light's brother is Rob Light, who runs CAA. Okay. Okay. Rob Light's one of the head guys at CAA. Now, been forever. You know all these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. Forever. You know every fucking yeah, body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're not impressed with. Like it's hard to impress you because you've yeah. seen all and sorts. That's of why sh- it's hard for me to watch comedy at the store these days. Right. You know what I mean? Because I've seen. Because I'm like watching Chris D'Elia and I watch these guys and I'm like they're killing. But then I'm like I'm doing a flashback on my. I'm like I saw Eddie Murphy here. I saw Richard Pryor here. I saw Robin. Williams. It was a different different level. You saw Red Fox. I saw Red Fox. He was the best. He was fucking hilarious, dude. Red Fox gave me a joint. We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, he gave me a joint, Red Fox, one time. It was awesome. It was at the Hacienda in Vegas because uh-huh. he had that run there in Vegas. But we're going back to- uh, Your system. Yeah, the system. So basically, Nick Light, he was Gerardo Rico Suave's road manager. Okay. Remember Rico, of Rico Suave? Of course. That was a hot video, right? Huge. Huge video. Well, I mean, it was like, what's going on here? But it was like... <laughs> but fun, silly. Right. Silly as fuck, yeah? So, um, so Nick became my road manager, and then we would have a system. And basically, like, the idea, he would say, like, he, sometimes he would say pre-show hums. Huh? He'd say to me, pre-show hums, question mark, which basically means, do you want to get a blowjob before you go on stage, before the show? And sometimes I'd say yes, sometimes I'd say no, because I'd be on a tour bus. 
So I always had a tour bus with me. Got you. It was and 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 when I would go on stage, you know, it wouldn't people wouldn't be sitting. It would be standing only festival, you know what I mean? Festival seats. Got you. Cuz I would do music and all that shit and stage dive and, you know, get crazy and stuff like that. So he'd say like pre-show hums and then he would talk to the girls and make sure they were cool and be like, "Yo, if you go on the bus, you know, you want to blow Polly before the show." That's cool. Like it was out, like it was clear. Yeah, it was clear. It was like very, and she's like, no, yeah. It's like the Beatles. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, if you go on there, you want to do that. So if the girl came on the bus. She knew what it was. It was already kind of on. Right. So she would walk to the back of the bus. My drapes would be down. Skid Row, Slave to the Grind would be playing. I'd have lava lamps. I have scarves. I had condoms. I had buttons. You know, I've been wheezed. I've been chilling. We would we'd have Polaroid cameras, and right. it was just on. Right. And it was very mutual, and it was very fun. And I was a kid. I was in my 20, early 20s, and it, was, um, and it was like that. And then there was just like a lot of, you know, orgies. Wait, okay. A lot of orgies, not Straight just a couple. Straight up orgies. Absolutely. Now, is it you and just a bunch of well, girls? Like, you're, you're like a... So, so yeah. there's a term that I use. I don't know if you listen to the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. It's a term I patented, um, although I didn't invent it. Stick man. I have the whole Stickman Hall of Fame. You might need to be considered, at least during your run, for the Stickman Hall of Fame. Coffee. Okay. And meaning? M- meaning you put it down. Yeah. Like, well, the, here's the can... Stickman, Stickman Hall of Fame. Yeah. Warren Beatty, Jack Nicholson, DiCaprio's coffee, now. Coffee. Derek Jeter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. I got stories about this guy, dude. Okay, wait, we're gonna Hilarious. we're gonna, we're gonna come back to Leo. <laughs> Leo's awesome. Uh, we're gonna come Love back to Leo. Leo. I, yeah. you, you said orgies. Yeah. Now, when I when you said I've never been in an orgy, is it you and how many women? Is there other sometimes guys? Sometimes three, sometimes just, two. Right, it's just me well, and the girls. Two's, two's just a menage. Yeah, menage. Yeah, sometimes four. There was one time where. I did a show in, uh, where was it? It was uh, in San Francisco. And I was playing a theater called the Warfield Theater. Uh And my road manager, Nick Light, he called the Mitchell Brothers. The Mitchell Brothers is a very famous, it's kind of like the comedy store of strip clubs in San Francisco. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, and he called ahead and he said, Polly Shore's coming through. Can we send some girls down? I used to do Lisa Lisa. Remember the song? Yes. Yeah, yes. I do the Lisa Lisa song, and the girls would dance on stage. And then after we all went back to uh, we went back to my um, to the hotel. No, we went back backstage, and there was like nine girls. Like this is you're sitting on the couch right here for the people listening. Uh-huh. There's a couch here, and basically there's nine girls, and they're just sitting there, and they're all kind of like strippery, kind of groupy girls. And then and then uh, one of the girls says to me, she goes, "What do you want us to do?" And as a joke, I'm like, you eat her, you suck her, you eat her, you suck her. And literally, they all started doing it. They were down. Yeah, they just started like making out and going down on each other. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So then from there, we went back. Um, I, took, I, took, um, I took probably four girls back. Nick took four girls. And my other road manager, Warlock, he took like three girls. And it was just some wild, that was like a memorable situation. Oh, it was a memorable situation. Yeah. And then there was times like in Nashville and it was just normal. It wasn't like anything weird. It was right. like, you know, it was like go on stage, hook up, you know, do your show, go to the next town. Sometimes girls would get on the bus and go to the next town. It's the, it's the same shit that you see in old MTV music videos. Right. It's like Bon Jovi and right. Molly Crew. But and you like, were doing that, that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were a comedian. 
Like you're not yeah. a rock, you're not a band. Yeah. So so yeah. So but MTV was so big back then. It was fucking huge. It was huge. So if you were on MTV and you were on it all the all time, the time like yeah, it just like replayed. It, like it was you were in our fucking living room. Yeah. And you were entertaining and funny. And it was hard not to like the Wheeze. Mm -hmm. Like the Wheeze was there for the fun, for yeah, the game. Silly, yeah. And where did that whole like? I never saw you do stand up then. Did was that your what you were doing as a stand up? That character, or was it like was that part of it? And then that sort of became like this is. It the was thing. almost like I say it's like the Reese's Pieces commercial where it just happened accidentally. You know, you put the peanut butter and the chocolate and you put it together like, oh, my God. So it was like it just happened naturally, accidentally when I was on MTV. Okay. It first started off like, check out this video. It's going to be major. You know what I mean? And then I started pausing between my words. So that was an accident. What's up? Uh, uh, e e e e <laughs> you know what I mean? All that shit. And then I just started getting my whole cadence, the whole thing was like, yo, bros, check out the wood you created because I want to bang some serious but and I want to bone, bro. Oh! And then we do the weed at the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And oh, it was shit. just silly. It was right, silly. Right. And it was light and it was goofy. You know what I mean? It was innocent. You know? Now, now one yeah. of the things, I mean, I want to jump back to Leonardo's stories, Red Fox He's stories. He's great. You I have tons of fucking stories. What is your take? Because you've seen comedy from the 70s, the 80s, just the story you just told me about uh, girls, you call them groupies. And where I'm going to now is like everything is so like politically fucking mm. correct. Mm -hmm. Comedy, you know, even this Louis C.K. thing, regardless of our opinions about him and what's happening, you probably know him. And I don't even want to get into that. But like what happened to him uh, uh, where they're recording him mm. and then people judge him. In comedy mm. shows, I mean, Dice, you were around Dice when Sam Kinison, these guys, if you if a comedian came out now and did the things Dice did, I mean, he'd be maybe put in jail. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, because he did the gay thing and he did the, Eddie you know, Murphy, all that I mean, stuff. So yeah. what do you, what is your take on just being someone who's so familiar with comedy Um with what happens in a comedy store and the judgment and what could potentially be the backlash mm. and the political correctness. And you're a shit talker. Mm. All comedians, I mean... You I, have to be, yeah. I, I mean, do you know any comedian that doesn't do dark jokes, whether it's dice or just... There's a darkness. There's a, a risque quality. Mm. You know, obviously, there's, there's extremes to it. Everybody does it. Like, what is your just perspective on what's going on with specifically comedy yeah. now? I just think, you know, unfortunately, you have to change with the times, and it's just the way it is. It's like a trend, you know? It's like, hey, you have to be, you know, even when you date girls or you ask a girl out or you see a girl at a Starbucks, you can't just go, yo, babe, what's up? Because they'll put your shit on blast on social media. Oh, he tried to touch me, He, you know? And you know what? You just have to change with the times. Maybe it's the Donald Trump thing, you know? Maybe it's... You know, the Obama thing, maybe it's, you know, it's people are poor. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But, but, it's just, but in the comedy clubs, like, you know, like. You just have to skate the line and you just have to not go over it or you're fucked. I mean, right now. That's real, right? Yeah, it's pretty real. You know, I mean, look at Roseanne. Right. I mean, it's a great example of someone that was just fucked up on Ambien and she did something silly and she said something a little bit ra racist and because it's Disney and ABC, you know, they pulled her show. Um, but back in the day, if she did that, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It's just a different time now. Because the problem is, 
is you got the bosses, but then there's the board. And right. And those people, well, they, they have to like mind their P's and Q's because then the lesbians will come after them and the feminists will come after them right. and all that stuff. So they don't want to get fucked with either. Right. So it's like, you know, and it's weird because she had the hit, the biggest hit show and she got ousted, you know? Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's crazy. So it's just my point is, is that you asked me the question. I just think, unfortunately, you just have to change with the times and you have to skate the line and just try not to go over it. What about comedians right now at the comedy store? Is there something, obviously, if, what Michael Richards, the, the guy from Seinfeld did, that was, that was like a crazy thing uh, and obviously very very fucking blatant. But is there are there comedians now where like if they go on stage at the comedy store where they could get banned for saying something like not or banned or in trouble or reprimanded like like in the last year has that been something that's that you've had to deal with or that that's I come think, to you? Yeah, I think at the story people just do what they do and we don't really police them. But if someone puts it on the internet and it's out there and they sneak it, then there's nothing we can do about it. Do you know what I mean? But, but would you I think, say, but like what happened with Louie, that didn't happen at the comedy store, but if somebody records, which they shouldn't do, yeah. they're told not to do, which is essentially breaking the law it in some way. It is breaking the law, yeah. But, but what, what, let's say like the Louie thing happened at the comedy store and you're getting all this backlash and they're like, Louie, I don't know if they did this with the comedy seller because I think it happened with the comedy seller in New York with the Louis C.K. thing. Do you, do you go... Well, fuck, we're not going to perform. Like, or is it, is it up to the people to say we're going to come see? Like, you know what I'm saying? I think you have to just, you know, like I said, you have to change with the times. It's just, you know, even when I walk around the comedy store now, I have to mind my P's and Q's. Right. That's just life, dude. Right. You know what I mean? It's just some people got hit with it and some people didn't. I mean, look at, look at Kevin Space. Like, all these guys, it's like, it's just... It's I mean, Kevin Hart shit's going on right yeah, now. Yeah, but even fucking Bill Cosby is in prison right, right now for shit he did, you know? Right. So my point is, you just have to be respectful of what's going on now and, and, and bow and chill and just skate the line, you know? And I think that's why Chappelle's the smartest guy because he has people put, his, uh, put their cell phones in a bag. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He puts it in the bag. But not, and I think not that's at the one, comedy store, though, no, right? No, but that's one thing what we're talking tours. about. We're talking about that at the store right now is to put the cell phones in the bag, you know, with the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Lock, the lock thing. Yeah. I think that's important. What are the top three or top five craziest things you saw at the comedy store that didn't happen on stage, whether it's fights, whether it's, yeah. you know, what, like when I say like the craziest things in, like, that you remember, what are they? Or just like that stuck out to you as a okay. kid? I'll tell you, first of all, you know, fuck, man. Um, well, Eddie Murphy, he was the man, like the biggest. So he was like a super, superstar. So when he'd roll into the store, he'd have like about six Rolls Royces. It was almost like the Prince of Saudi Arabia was showing it up. Did you ever, were you ever at the store at that time? I never saw him at the comedy store, oh, wow. but I would, yeah, I, he would know. roll up in his, all his Rolls Royces, you know, Fruity would show up, Uncle Ray, all his, Charlie, Charlie would be there, all his, yeah, Charlie Murphy would be there. Um, this was before Charlie was doing stand up. This right. was when he was just one of Eddie's like lingering guys, right. you know what I mean? Just kind of one of his, uh, his, I don't want to say lackeys, that's not a nice it's word. His brother, but, his but he, brother, he had so many, he, he was, he was just kind of hanger, hanger yeah, honor type yeah. guy. And then Eddie would show up and you'd get out and you just knew he was a movie star. It was like he looked and smelt and dressed. It was like superstar. And he would walk on that stage and people would fucking just shit. So I remember that a lot. 
I remember watching um, George Carlin a lot on that stage. That was fucking insane because here's a doctor of comedy. That's what I'm saying. Like I watch guys now and I watch guys then and it was just 100% different. And the poor audience is watching the comics now and they're like, oh my God, these guys are so funny. And I'm in the back going, this is terrible. You know what I mean? Because I've seen it. You know, I've seen what happened. And then obviously when Richard Pryor would show up and he would go on stage... It was almost like Jesus Christ, you know, like Jesus Christ performed because it would be like, people would be like, you know, I even brought him up on, on stage. Before. Did you intro, yeah. you intro yeah, him? Yeah, I introed him a lot. I when he was still healthy? Mm, starting to get sicker. Okay. But, but you I, saw him when he was I, healthy? Of course. I used to give him cigarettes and drinks and all that before he gone. There was a whole thing when Richard would walk in. But and let the me special just, was filmed there, right? Which One of his specials was filmed at... Uh, he no, I think he prepped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he did. Uh, I think there was a Comedy Store anniversary special up there, but he would go on stage, and and if you said the words Richard Pryor, people wouldn't believe that he was actually coming on stage, and then he would go up there, and it was like, oh my god. And there was just something about the guy that um, that was so likable and so funny, and so just you just connected every every little thing that he said, you just felt him. And that was cool about him and Sam Kennison because him and Sam Kennison were both guys that were known for being blue, but there was something so vulnerable. And for you, especially starting out stand-up, you know what I mean? Like, you got to be likable on stage. You know, you can come off and, you know, do your shtick and da-da-da, but at the end of the day, you're a likable guy and you want, you want to connect with the audience. That's the most important thing. If I have any direction to any of the comedians out there is just become likable. And then as far as... Your style is your style, but uh, mm. yeah, you know what I mean? But you got to be nice, you know? Right. Especially when you deal with hecklers, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to be the guy that, you know, that they're, they're I I isolating you. You want to isolate them. What, what about your relationship with Kinnison? He, man, he, he like mentored you? Yeah, Sam is a guy that um, came onto the scene in the mid 80s. You know, this is when I, you know, was going through puberty and I was fucking... Uh, you know, starting to have sex with girls. I was probably 14 years old. I was a short order cook at the Comedy Store in Westwood. And my mom put him as the doorman. And then he would go Sam on- Sam was the doorman? Yeah. And he would go on stage last at the Westwood Comedy Store. And he'd basically say, every, he'd scream, everybody out of my house, out of my house, uh, uh, uh. And he'd take the stools from the stage and he'd throw them at the kids in the audience because they're all from UCLA. It was in Westwood. And then he would literally come to the back, I would feed him, and then he'd sleep on the stage. Wow. Yeah. And that was at a time where he basically come out here from, I think it was Oklahoma or, or something like that. And it was basically him, Mitchell Walters, Carl LeBeau, Joey Gaynor. Um, uh, who else was there? Freddie, Freddie Asparagus. <laughs> These are all the guys, man. These are the real, the real fucking cats. You know, and that was Sam. Sam had that posse. And when Sam made it, it was... I was like, you know, 19, 20 years old. So I followed him around like you would follow around Michael Jordan. You know, I was obsessed with him. He and had the pussy. He had the pussy. He had the porno stars. Billy Idol was there. It was like fucking the real deal. It dude. was the real deal it sex, drugs, real and rock and roll yeah. rock star shit, right? Yeah. And Sam was, you know, and Sam reminded me a lot of Elvis Presley. Like during, during the holidays, he would always come over with gifts. You know what I mean? He was like a giver. Elvis was like a giver. Sam was always giving, 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 you know? And uh, wow, it was, it was a wild, you know, five to ten year ride that he had. Yeah. And what about Dice? And what was the what was the beef between Dice and Kinnison? They were like the fucking dudes uh, and doing this like outlaw comedy. Was there a beef? They were like best friends, and then they were rivals. 
I don't, you'd have to ask Dice the specific stuff on how it happened. I don't, I can't say that because I wasn't physically like when it started. I think there was about a girlfriend thing or uh, maybe there was Tamayo Tsuki. Maybe there was the Crest Hill house. I'm not really sure how it started. But Sam, you know, underneath it all was kind of insecure, uh-huh. you know, and he wasn't great looking. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But he was funnier than anyone. So uh-huh. there was like this weird thing. And Dice came on the scene with his shtick. It wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't real comedy. It was real comedy, but it wasn't like Richard Pryor or Sam. It wasn't like kind of thought out. It was more like shticky shtick, which was huge and funny to me. I liked it. It was fucking, it was. Yeah. Think about, uh, you know, two two people that had big egos that were hot at the same time. And, you know, I don't know. Joe Rogan, Carlos Mencia, and then was Joe banned? What was that? And what, like, with stealing jokes, what is the, I mean, there's so many, I mean, it's so hard. Like, the, the, when I'm around comedians now recently and I listen to comedy, it's like, everybody talks about the same things. Mm. It's just how you present them. It's really hard to not mention whether it's Trump, whether it's fucking plastic straws, whether it's vegetarians, whether it's, you know, like there's mm. so many sort of common threads. Like what, what, what was the deal with that? The Joe Rogan? I don't know specifically beef. because I didn't get into the details of the specific jokes that Carlos stole. Did Carlos steal from him or did Joe steal I think, from No, I think Carlos just stole jokes, period. I got you. And I think it started with Ari Shafir. Okay. Because Ari Shafir talked about building a wall, and I think Carlos did the building a wall. But I don't I can't speak okay. on their behalf. Okay. You know, just but as far as the store, I mean, basically what happened was as Carlos was on stage, Joe was on stage, and then Brian Redband was filming it, and then basically Joe buried him and just called him a joke thief. And called him out pretty much, and then that went viral. So okay, and that's kind of what I think is the gist of it. But I can't say specifically what the um, specific jokes were. You know? I got you. Um, all right, Leonardo. You said you yes. love Leonardo. You got yeah. Le- you like you've seen him go. Like talk about a star. Yeah, he's great. You're I mean, friends with him, right? Yeah, I'm friends he, with him. He's a beautiful guy. And, I love him and, so and, much. You know, I mean, it's hard to keep fucking up with him because he's you know he's Leonardo DiCaprio. But I mean, yeah. I re- I mean I he was like. The the two people that I met in my career, mm. the actors that I was like, bing, yeah. was him. He hadn't done anything. Yeah. But you were just like, that guy's special. Yeah. You just knew, yeah. like, he was special. Yeah. Um, and then, well, Brad Pitt was kind of rocking and rolling. Yeah. And Benicio, like, you were like, this yeah. fucking guy. Like, yeah. it was a different thing. It was just his talent. Like, you were like, yeah. this fucking guy. Well, let's guy. talk about Brad Pitt first, because I know Brad Pitt very okay. well from back in the day. So anyway, so there was a guy, I don't know if you remember this, one of my favorite movies growing up was The Accused. Okay. Remember that yes. with Jodie Foster? Yes, yes, that was a good movie. Great movie. Remember that? Yes. Really good movie. And there was a kid named kid there, and I don't know if you were friends with him, his name was Bernie Coulson. Do you know Bernie Coulson? I he probably pl- by face because I know that movie very well. He was the guy that sat on the stands, you know, that basically, you know, outed the you know about he was one of the guys that raped her on the well, he's like the frat boy guy good looking guy no he was like the fr- he was kind of the nervousy guy okay okay so bernie was best friends with brad pitt okay and brad pitt had just started off because me brad pitt david arquette you know uh fucking who else um you know you know johnny depp like that whole that whole time was that you know when we were all kind of coming up. So I knew Brad Pitt from from Bernie Coulson. Okay. And Brad Pitt used to sleep on Bernie's couch off of Melrose here when he first came first came to town. It's like remember he did that movie he played the hitchhiker. Yes. What was it? Um. um California. 
No, that was later on. No, it um, was when he Thelma and Louise. Thelma Louise. Yeah, Thelma and Louise. So like and that he, he was like that was like that's yeah. a star, huge star. And he was in a few scenes. You were like, that guy's gonna be fucking that dude. Yeah, you knew it. He was gorgeous, and he was just good and charismatic and, yeah. and confident. Yeah, and likable. And the camera loved him. Yeah, and the movie was a huge hit. Yeah, but it was just like he was that dude. Yeah. So that character, that stoner character guy, where he's sitting on the couch is basically kind of how he was when he was living with Bernie Coulson. So Bernie and me and Brad Pitt used to hang out like back in the day, like back in the late 80s, you know. So I had known him, and I knew he, he was going to think. Also, did you ever do an episode of 21 Jump Street? I never did 21 Jump Hilarious. Street. Hilarious. So again, when I met Johnny Depp up there, I knew he was going to be a big star. And well, there, he was so – another one, like he just yeah. was something special. Yeah. So so yeah so um But you knew Brad was like you kn- you knew he was going to he was going to pop. He was a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. he 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 was, he was a nice a really guy. really sweetheart, yeah. And he wasn't like pretty boy like he didn't no. act like that. He was like a fucking Missouri, he's from Missouri, right? Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, so I was really happy for him. And and what's your Leonardo stories? So Playboy Leo, Mansion comedy yeah. store like he this guy's put it down. Yeah, so basically another nice guy. Really great guy. And you know the thing about Leonardo that's impressive? Out of all the years, all the mm. women, all the film sets he's been on, mm. you never heard a bad word about him. Mm. Like, yeah. there's nobody who has anything bad to say. Guys, girls, like, no yeah. one's like, oh, he's a dick. He yeah. was a dick on this. Like, no, that's a hard a, thing to do. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. So um, so with Leo, is a funny story how I first met him. Um, you remember that movie Parenthood? Yes. Okay, so the first one was done with... Uh, with uh, it was done with uh, Steve Steve Martin... Keanu Reeves, remember Keanu Reeves played the stoner guy? Yes. Da, 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 da. So what happened was is, is, is NBC bought Parenthood and they changed it into a TV show. Right. Right. And I think Ed Begley Jr. was like Steve Martin's character. Yes. And, and I auditioned for the, uh, the Keanu Reeves part, you know, the okay. part, right? Yep. So I, I landed that in the pilot and there was my girlfriend and Leonardo DiCaprio played my girlfriend's little brother. Uh-huh. He was 14. Uh-huh. I was probably 19 or 20 or something like at that time. And he just glommed onto me on the set. Uh-huh. So everywhere I went, Leo went. He's like following me around. He knew I was with playmates. Uh-huh. He knew that I knew girls. Uh-huh. And he just followed me around. I remember bringing a Playboy to the set and showing him a Playboy. He's 14. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, and he was just like in awe of me. And That's cool. Yeah, and it was like... Ever since then, it's always been hugs, kisses. Like I've seen him obviously a hundred times since then, and that's where we first started. So we did that show together. Now you said yeah. playmates. Yeah, did that I, show together. Yeah. I, I can't skip over playmates. If you had to estimate how many playmates you have been intimate with in your uh, run, uh, how many would you say? I don't know, maybe ten or twenty actual playmates. Probably. And and you were you were all up in the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. What do you remember about the Playboy Mansion? Heaven on Earth. <laughs> Heaven on Earth. You never went there? I never God damn fucking it, dude. went there. I never How fuck- long have you been married? It's not that. I just never went there. Like there was Yeah, but if you're gonna go up there, you don't want to be married. No, I know, but it was I was hot. I was plenty of time single when I was plenty yeah. I just never went. Man. Was it really fucking cool up there? For me it was. Maybe for Bill Maher it wasn't. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Why did he have a problem at the Playboy Mansion? No, I don't know if he got as much vagina as me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh no, but he didn't I was, get you know, what? No, he didn't get as much vagina as you, yeah. Bill Fucking Mar. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Bill Maher was always up there, but it was again, you know, it was like, you know, as a kid growing up. That couldn't up, exist now with the phones and no, all that. No, uh-uh. As a kid growing up, obsessed with Playboy. I mean, who didn't jerk off to Playboy? Right. I mean, as a kid growing up, we all what? Right. We all jerked Skeeted off. Skeeted to, to Playboy. Yeah, that was just it. So then when I made it, you know, the first time I was ever up there, the Barbie twins invited me. Yes. You guys remember the Barbie yes. twins? They're used to, there's twins. They were pretty hot. Da, 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 da. And they asked me to go up there as their date. And I walked in. It was like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate House of Pussy. It was like fucking, you know, you, you walk in, there's 30 girls to one guy. And they were all 11s. And this is when Hefner was running shit and dudes could not get in, period. You know what I mean? So to be invited to the Playboy Mansion at that time was like you were knighted. Oh. And you just walked in and, and I was young and I was half naked. I was wearing like pajamas. I was wearing like, you know, it was all cut off shit with my boots. And I had like, you know, like, what was it? Fucking, um, I had like cow print this and my hair was everywhere. And, you know, this was back in the day where before cell phones. So when you get girls numbers, you get them on a napkin. Right. And they would kiss it, you know, with the, with the lips. Right. And put the perfume on it. Right. And you go home and jerk off on the napkin and shit. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was that, you know, you talk about the times. That was acceptable back then. That's what it, that's what it was, you know. It was like, and I had, I had a pretty much a 25-year run there. Damn. 25 years. That's Many, a fucking run. Yeah. It was good. It was lucky. Very fortunate. And then he was, and it was great. It wasn't, it wasn't. I never saw anything weird up there, to be honest. It was always like you were up there, everyone was, it's kind of like Vegas on acid. Uh-huh. You know, where like you go to Vegas and everyone is just having a good time at a club? Uh-huh. Like that times a zillion. You That's, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just as far as no attitudes, you can talk to everyone. If you want to dance with this person, you can dance with them. Everyone just put down their guard. I got you. You know, and it was a really fun time. And wh- what other celebrities stories P- prince mm. did you have you ever seen prince in, in your days did he ever come to the comedy store did you ever see him at the playboy mansion i michael did. jackson oj yeah. simpson yeah yeah i oh, okay i got you seen yeah. fucking everybody yeah, i got all these guys yeah so prince i remember meeting several times i remember when i did my uh, mtv show totally Polly. when i'd be on the road one of the places i stopped was paisley park and i did a tour of the whole thing and i think he even came in and go dude get out of here and like we did some shtick you know, like that. Um, Michael Jackson I met once. Where? It was just like at one of his shows for an MTV show. It wasn't like I got to really spend a lot of time with him. It was quick. Madonna I met once. Um, so I never really, you know, spent a lot of time with her. What? And you, I said OJ. OJ. So OJ Simpson, this is a crazy story. So... I used to go to this elementary school called Hawthorne Junior High, which uh-huh. is in Beverly Hills. And my, one of my best friends was this kid named Sean Kehoe. Uh-huh. And Sean Kehoe's dad was this guy named Billy Kehoe. Billy Kehoe was this kind of Irish gangster, like gnarly, like gnarly gnarly. Like you look at him, you're like, oh, he's a criminal for sure. So he was best friends with OJ. So as a kid growing up, I would go to Sean's house and then OJ would be there with the blonde girls and Nicole and all that shit. I actually have pictures with, um, not with me and OJ, but with Sean, OJ, and all that stuff. And then about, maybe about 15 years ago, I was doing a show at the at the Improv in Miami, and OJ came to my show. Oh, after he was out? Yeah, after he was out. And I called him, I'm like, yo, uh, blah, 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 don't murder me, bro. You know, I'm on stage. 
you know, and he was cool. So, yeah, he knows me. I mean, he knows me from that, that era. What comedians do you like now? Mm. Like, who, who do you think is, like, special now? Well, probably the ones that you like, you know what I mean? Because uh-huh. I, th- I like you a lot. You Thank know what you. I mean? I'm a, fa- a huge fan of your stuff. And, um, you know, stuff, you know, like that. I like Bobby Lee. I know you're a fan of Bobby yeah, yeah, Lee's. Yeah. Um, who else at the store? I love Sebastian. He's funny, I think funny, Sebastian's right? really good. Um, who else? I like Rogan. Rogan's cool. He's really finding, you know, it's hard for him because he's coming from a different place, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, uh, hosting and, and, you know, and he, he loves stand-up so much and I really appreciate him you know, really trying and really getting there. And he's, he's, you know, he's really coming into his own. I think he's getting funnier as time goes on. I really love Joe. Yeah. Do you, do you think like when you say like different comedians, like there's so many different styles and there's always been different styles, but like the world of comedy now, like it, like Instagram people, you know, if you have followers on Instagram, you could do a spot here. Like, is that affected like the business of it or the, the, it's like SoundCloud rappers, you know, like it's like, is that changed like in, in your head? Like in, well, just in terms I know of- I work, I've been working the road for what, 30, 40 years. Have you been doing it that long? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. On, I mean, ever since Sam used to, ever since I used to open for Sam. Right. I've been going on tour my whole life. I right. haven't stopped. I mean, right. in and out of, I mean, I've take breaks here and there, but I'm always touring. Like this week I'll be in Arizona. Next week I'll be in Corpus Christi. You Do you know? like doing it? It's good. Because, you know, because um, it's good to get out of L.A. and it's good to feel people that aren't in the entertainment business. Yes. It's good to be around people that are paying just to see you. Yes. And it's an instant love. That's why I said to you in your driveway, I think it's really important for you to, to start doing stand-up. I think you're very funny and I think, that, I think that you have a future in it. Right. You know, I think you have a future in it, but you just need to get out to America because it's a different cadence and it's a different vibe than the store and popping around town here and da-da-da-da. Yeah. And you should take it serious. I know, I do. I think, I think you could do it and I think you would draw and I think you would make a lot of money on the road because you have a lot of fans. Right. I mean, look at Piven right now. Is he, is he doing... Is he he's doing- actually doing business, you know, and he's doing business because of entrepreneurs. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen him perform. Yeah. And I'm a fan of his. Yeah. Because I think he's very funny and he's very talented. But I, but I assume that he's probably getting better. It's almost like Rob Schneider. Uh-huh. Like Rob Schneider, he took what twenty something years off, and then the last five, ten years or whatever it was, he picked it back up, and it took him a while. Even uh, what's his name? Uh, Judd. No, the guy. Uh, yeah, him. But the guy from Night at the Roxbury. Oh, oh, um. What's his name? The, the little guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's fu- not not Kevin Nealon. No, the other guy. Oh, I forgot fuck. his name. But, yeah. But he's you know he, he was on he, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, very funny guy. Um, that's funny that we both forgot. Yeah, his but name. we know what we're talking about. Yeah. So you know, um, <laughs> but the, to answer your question, you know, about the YouTubers and the Instagram stars and the Snapchatters and all that crap, it's like. You just have to talk to the managers and owners of the clubs out in America because a lot of these YouTubers, they go out there and they sell out right. when they're on the road, right. but the management hates it. <clears throat> right. Why? Because the jo- they have no act. Right. You know, and you're cheating the fans. They have no act. It's not even about cheating the fans. Stand-up comedy, as you know, is a different beast. It's a different fucking beast. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Have you have I haven't seen you do stand up lately. Obviously you're not doing the same shit you were doing. Like was it hard like to sort of go from 
Like you were so like I resent people like yo you're from the 90s. I'm like yeah motherfucker the 90s were dope. Like people try to throw that shit at me. And I'm like and I'm still fucking rocking. I'm like you know but like when you have this you were so famous and you were so associated with this certain time. Do you resent when people try to like belittle or marginalize what you do? And then how did you sort of grow out of that into who you are today and what you do today and your perspective and being funny today. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, you were, I think it, yeah. if, if you're not like, we're, we're, we're older than some people that are listening. Some people are right. If you're not aware, like you were so fucking popular, then it's kind of like, Oh, well he's not that dude anymore. And the times change mm -hmm. and the MTV changes and they get different VJs and they get younger VJs and they, they stop even fucking having VJs. Mm. The shit and like, yeah. and like you were so successful and then people sort of like you know start to shit on it and you're like yo it's 20 years ago mm. which ain't a bad thing mm. you know what i mean like how is that for I you i think to at the end of the day funny's funny and good is good i think you know my movies that i did you know whether people shit on them or they didn't shit on them they're still very popular right. to this day right so it's almost like you know the connection that i had with America and with the world is still there today. Right. So despite the hairs change, I'm older now, there's still that love that's there and that's all that I care about. And I make a living and I love doing what I do. And, you know, it just takes that one role. Right. That one, you know, thing that, oh, that, look at Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. You know what I mean? Look at this. Da, da, da. It's like at the end of the day, it's like, you have to do whatever it is that you do because you love it. You know what I mean? We all work for free because we love it. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. You know, if you're getting this business because you want to be famous and make money, get the fuck out of the business. Yeah, I agree. You have to really enjoy it. And I then agree. the money and the fame shit comes after I that. agree. There's yeah. no dipping your toes in the no. water. And and like when, when people ask me, like, how do you... What's your what's your advice? I go, don't dip your toes. You got to jump in the cold ass pool, and it's because you have to be in but that you pool. You got to love it. Love you know, it. It's like it's like for me to the fly. good, the bad, and the ugly. Like yeah. you know, the rejection sucks. You want to get a part, uh, you don't get it. You know, like the, the the crazy thing about comedy that I that I've noticed, it's like I like you can go do fucking in three night in one night you could do the improv, kick ass, go to the comedy store kind of be like, not kick ass, go to the Laugh Factory and kick ass and do the exact same thing. And the the, the highs and lows and the, the mental sort of warfare within yourself from it is so bugged out. And even my wife is like, why are you doing this shit? Because I love this shit. And even when it's not going right, even when you, you know it's not necessarily your night or your 20 minutes or your 15 minutes, there's still some sort of elation. Well, it's the same thing with Kobe, you know, and any of these basketball players. Like, they have a bad game, but they know they can wipe it off. And guess what? The next night, they have a good game. It could be the same night. It could be yeah. the fucking, it could yeah. be an hour later. Yeah, so that's just the way it is. It's the love, you know? It's like, you know, you wipe it off and you keep moving, you know? Do that's you think a, comedy yeah. is, uh, uh, like, when you don't do well or when it's not going so good, is it you or is it the audience? Like, It's oh, you, 100%. Why? Because it's a feeling that you have. I've gone on stage and I, I'm trying to do new shit and I'm just not feeling, I'm just like in some weird fucking space. And I'm like, and that's me. And then there's been times, you know, where I'm on stage and I'm feeling it and, and you feel the joy or I feel the joy in me and I'm laughing and having a good time. People don't respond or whatever it is. I still have a good time. It's all about the feeling. But it's not, but when you're saying if you're, if you're feeling great, and they're not rocking with you. That's okay. 
But do you, you're feeling it. You don't think it's, oh, well, the audience sucked? No. Because it's such a, like, oh, there's a fucking shitty audience. Or they say it's a great audience when they're... No, but you want audiences to suck. Why? Because it makes you stronger. It makes you a stronger comic. I went on stage the other night. Who did I bring on stage? Fuck, who was it? Oh, yeah, Owen Wilson. Not Owen Wilson. Owen, fuck, what's his name? Owen, Owen Wilson. Smith. Owen Smith. Who the fuck is Owen Smith? He's a black comic. Okay. Yeah, from the store. Really funny guy. Okay. He went on before me. He had a hard time. I went on, didn't have a good, you know, had a hard time. <laughs> and that's okay. You have to appreciate it. You ever see people get punched in the face and they get excited? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Oh, hit me harder, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. That's how it is with the bad audience for me. Like I go up there and I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. They're not responding. I love it. You don't get rattled by it. I No, because I know that there's other audiences that are going to be good, but I also get... I get, you know, it's okay that I get rattled. I like being rattled by it. It's cool. Do you? Do because you, then sometimes, like, sometimes I'll do references, especially at the store, where I'm talking about certain things and people are just staring at me because they don't know the fuck I am. You know, they're just there to go to the comedy store. You're giving weird references. Now, if I go to play my, my town, my, my, my audience in Missouri, and they're all there to see me, they're going to understand it's everything. Easier. It's easier. I got easier. it. Do, um, do, tell me about, uh, we've been rocking and rolling here. Tell me about the Crest House. Crest Hill. The Crest Hill House, which is like the comedy store comedian's house. Yeah. Is the place haunted? Who stayed there? What's the legacy of the fucking Crest Hill? Um, that house is right behind the store. Uh, on was on Crest Hill Avenue. And basically, my mom bought it to for comedians my mom was all about giving to the comedians you know what i mean she's always about like kind of like a um um i don't know maybe like lauren michaels like i don't know just like very much nurturing to the comedians like taking them in my mom you know the wounded birds Got you know, you. off the streets you know so she created this house she had all this money she was making and she created this house behind the store, and it was basically like a halfway house for comedians. So comedians that weren't doing well, Andrew Dice Clay or Tomayo Tsuki or Yakov Shmirnov, they would mm. basically stay in this house for, for free. I don't know. They'd pay her $200 or as long as they took care of the house. And then afterwards, you know, it started to turn into a party house. So like Mark Maron and Sam Kennison and myself, and people would go up there and just do drugs, you know what I mean? And do drugs and get fucked up at the Crest Hill house. And that's what that, that's what that house was. And my mom, it was a place for comedians to live and for my mom to kind of nest them and make them feel, you know what I mean? Make them feel um, uh, like wanted and Was there accepted. wild shit going on up there? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I wasn't really, I always had that saying like, it's okay to dance with the devil, don't become the devil. That was kind of always been my phrase. So like, I wasn't, I party there, but I wasn't like Mark Marin. I mean, if you sat down with him and he would tell you the stories, I wasn't really there. You know what I mean? Because I would like go. You know what I mean? I got you. Yeah. But then from there, um, once I hit on MTV, I took over the lease from my mom and paid her like, I think $7,000 a month. And I lived there for like five years. Wait, but, where, but it was just you. It was me. And I fucking stripped the whole place down and I made it a Wee's Palace. <laughs> and that's where, yo, that's where I fucking really lived my life. Okay. That's where it was fucking rocking and rolling. Okay. That was like fucking, I made it, I, I went to Jeff Goldblum's house because Jeff Goldblum had this designer who had, uh, 
pink leopard carpet throughout his house. And I said to the designer, I'm like, I want that shit. And she says, because I go to Jeff Goldblum's house. And she had extra rolls uh-huh. of this fucking badass. And I have pictures of it. Uh, you got to send me some of that. It's fucking sick, So dude. that's where you, that's like your, that was like your so spot. I made, yeah, that was my spot, dude. That was my spot. So I lived there for like probably five to seven years. And that's where I did my MTV show. That's where I did Encino Man. Oh. That's where I did Son-in-Law. That's where I did The Army. That's where I did all my movies. Okay. And that's where fucking the shit went down. Okay. That's where the real shit went do down. You, do you guys still own that house? No, my mom sold it. Fuck. Yeah, but I have another house behind the store that I'm remodeling right now. Um, but, all right, my final question, or maybe it's not my final question. Your top five comedians. Richard Pryor, Sam Kennison, George Carlin, Rodney Dangerfield, um, and then um, who else is fucking um, Red Fox, I guess, yeah. Red Fox. What was Red Fox like? He was dirty, and he was fucking, you know, he was just didn't give a fuck. He was the streets. You know, like kind of like another version of Richard Pryor, you know, like that vibe. And was he was he a nice person? Yeah, he was great. I mean, how funny was he on his show? I mean, come on, dude. I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, like it was like he was Fred Sanford. Yeah, like when you look at the acting, forget mm-hmm. the humor. Like this, like he was on like it's like Archie Bunker. Yes, you're like this is like not just I funny, think, yeah, yeah, but it's like this is actually a person. Yeah. Like, this is like a, th- you yeah. don't see that shit. No, I think Married with Children was the last time we got to feel that, don't you think? Yeah, where what it was, was like, on? that's Ed, Ted, that's Ed, was it Ed Bundy? Ted, yeah. Ed Bundy. Yeah, Ed Bundy, yeah. Ed, <laughs> and it, all of them. Yeah, but don't you think that was like the last sitcom that was kind of tongue-in-cheeky? Yeah, and there were these, there were like but these. But you also ca- felt it. It was a different kind of thing. If you watch shows now, like the 80s show and this, I mean, can you? It's different. Yeah, it's it's a different thing. Yeah. It's a different kind of thing. I mean, yeah. like uh, Christina Applegate was Kelly Bundy. Yeah, like they were characters. Mm-hmm. It was hard for her to fucking work after that. It was so big, and it, and she was so good. You were like, that's what you are. You're a sex pot, and and you know the the kid, and he was like like Fonzie Laverne. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they they they. It was just, just the shows were different. All right, Paulie Shore, the Wheeze. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. We came, we saw, we conquered. We 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 had a, a social media beef. Um, but can we tell them it was fake and we planned it? They all it? know it was fake. And you know, Paulie, yeah. I got to say, there's a few people that didn't think it was fake, and and I have to say, I can't I can't acknowledge you if you don't like. Yeah. People were like, "Yo, you got to be careful. You got beef with Paulie Shore." I'm like, "All right, well, whatever. Tell them what happened so they know, so they know it was planned." I saw when I your, did my Kevin Hart rant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you I did texted a, you. No, I texted you. Texted, you texted. We're speaking. Yeah, off, I texted you. Yes. Yeah. And then and it, it was fake. Cause, yeah. Cause, uh, well, does, I would never have. I would never come who after. Who doesn't you. like the wheeze? Yeah, but I would never come after have you. Have you ever been you. in real beef? No. You don't really. Have, everybody yeah. loves. Every you yeah. know everybody, right? Yeah, I've always been cool with everybody. Have you ever? You may not even want to answer this. Have you ever had to deal with mob? like folks with the comedy store in the 80s the 90s your mom like are you guys getting like was there anything ever like that like oh we're getting fucking like you know like the 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 babaruzzi's are coming to take no never no because my mom created love yes my mom created love everyone you saw when she died yes how heavy it was yes and the response yeah and how people came out because my mom gave nothing she was like the pulp she just gave 
you know, or like, you know what I mean? She just gave, gave, gave. She gave a place for these people. She gave money to these people. She gave roofs for these people, gave food for these people. She was like their den mother, you know what I mean? So that's why when she died, it was like a very emotional thing for everyone. Huge. She's yeah. a staple. Yeah. And, and and it's your mom. Yeah, it's my mom, yeah. Was there, was there, what was the story of the comedian, I think in the 80s, that committed suicide at the comedy store? Yeah, that was Steve Lebeckin. Jumped off the he roof? He jumped off the roof of the, uh, now it's the Andaz, before it was the, the Hyatt, Hyatt. And basically, there was a strike. You know, my mom started making money. People wanted to get paid. Oh. There was a, comedians were striking in front of the comedy store. I pissed on the comedians. I sat on the roof and pissed on them. And, um, and then Steve Lebeckin, I mean, anyone to jump off the roof has got to be a little nuts. You know what I mean? Obviously. So, so when that happened, my mom got, was very emotional about it, obviously. You know, she, in broad daylight, this happened? Um, I'm not sure what time. But it was probably, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know what time it was. Did you ever see? But that's back in the day. That's hilarious, actually. People used to jump off roofs. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> Remember back in the day? That was that's like, hilarious. That was the thing, how to kill yourself. It's fucking Timmy just jumped off a roof and he killed himself. <laughs> see? I haven't fucking experienced anyone jumping off a roof in a long time. Like there's new shit now. Yeah, there's guns and shit. Yeah. What about Andy Kaufman? Do you have any Andy? Were you too young? Did you ever yeah. see him? No, I saw him, but I wasn't really. I was too young to um, to know what the fuck he was. This guy was doing. Okay. Yeah. All right. The Wheeze. Check out my podcast, Random Rants. Also, uh, my all my Instagram and check at me Pauly out. Shore. Yeah, just at Polly Shore. And then also uh, follow me, or I'll be on tour this summer. Or no, not this summer. This the fuck? Week. Sorry, sorry. And I'm When's sp- your next gig? Say, because I'll, I'll say it at the top, too. It's this weekend, all of Arizona. It's all over Arizona. So okay. just Polly Shore in Arizona this weekend. And and do you have, like, for your dates and shit, is it PaulyShore.com? Yeah, PaulyShore.com. That's yeah. where you put up all your shit? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> the Wheeze, and I have to really, I'm going to run the numbers. I can't guarantee you anything. I'm not promising anything, but you might. I'm the stick figure guy, right? Stick man. I'm stick, stick man. I'm saying man. you. we have to run the numbers, but you're saying you've been with 10 to 20, so let's say 15 playmates, and were you just saying that we were more than 20? It's around, It's probably around maybe more. All but right, maybe, I have to but run the numbers. What, are you talking about, like, you know, Playboy itself, or are you talking about, like, you know, Book of Lingerie? You know, because that's Playboy no, I, too. No, I think you're going to be in there because because people have been pushing for guys like John Mayer, and I'm like, just because he no. and also he's goofy with it. John yeah. Mayer's goofy with his with his fuck style, like his yeah. fuck game is goofy because we don't want like the first rule of being a stick man is you don't talk about being a stick man. That's why DiCaprio is at the pot at the top. Mm-hmm. You, so you, I just talked about it though. Is that no? Good? But you didn't. You talked about it because it was prompted, and you talked about it because it was asked, and you're talking about it 20 years ago. You're not talking about last week. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. John Mayer, we don't care that you dated Jennifer Aniston. Right. Like, you, the fact that you're bringing it up, I have to, you're not in the, people Dude, have been pushing for he's him. he's not in the stick f- figure, man. Stick man. He's not in our section, bro. The stick man, I'm not in there. I'm just, I'm just a facilitator of it. Right. I, I didn't put it down like you, but the Wheeze put it down. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Follow Paulie Shore, all Paulie Shore. All right, I want to thank the Wheeze, Paulie Shore, for breaking it down, keeping it rough, rugged, and raw with Paulie Shore. <laughs> um, you can check him out. Um, as I said, you can check him out on his podcast called Paulie Shore Random Rants, talking a lot of shit. His social media is at 
Pauly Shore, and he's going to be performing in Arizona, in the state of Arizona this weekend, the 11th at CB Live and the 12th at CB Live. He's always torn. Check him out. He's funny. He's gotten funnier. He's a dope comedian. I'm actually going to open for him February 9th at the Ice House in Pasadena. February 9th at the Ice House at Pasadena. He's a good dude. Follow Paulie Shore at Paulie Shore. Check out his podcast, Paulie Shore's Random Rants. Miles Jordan, take us out of here with something real nice, something real proper, something real funky.